whole philosophy is like, if you don't make yourself cringe, then you're not doing it right. Like you got to go in, go in hard, go in true. And, and I like to like offer up that vulnerability to a reader also. Um, I kind of want people to almost like have to look away for a second. Hello, steamy friends. I'm El Greco, and you're listening to Steam Scenes. Wasn't that sexy? Today I'm talking to Kat Wynn, a first-time author whose book Partner Track came out earlier this year from Karina Press. We talk about how she found romance writing, what made her finish this particular book, and what makes an alpha male an alpha male. Kat also co-hosts the Tall, Dark, and Fictional podcast with S.J. Tilly, who is on the show next time. Before we get to the interview, I want to give a little plug for Canva. You know I love doing this podcast, but it costs me money, so anything I earn through affiliate links helps me cover my costs. I use Canva pretty much daily for my social media posts. While the free version is pretty robust, the pro account is like a graphic designer on your desktop. You even have access to stock photos, stock video, and stock audio, which makes content creation a breeze as well as affordable. Ready to give it a try? Go to lgreco.rocks forward slash Canva to sign up. And now, on to the interview with Kat Wynn. Kat Wynn lives in a cozy house in Charleston, South Carolina, with her longtime partner and two geriatric rescue dogs. She writes dirty funny romance late at night on an old couch that should have probably been thrown out five years ago. She's a shockingly good time at parties, provided the snacks are good. You can test this theory by inviting her to your wedding. Welcome, Kat, to Steam Scenes. Thank you for being here. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, my first question, what makes a good snack? You know, it's really a combination of savory and sweet and whatever the hell I'm in the mood for at the moment. Okay, give me an example. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, uh, a charcuterie board is going to really hit all the right notes and cheese platter of course because i you know basic bitch has got a basic bitch (laughs) (laughs) so give me some brie give me some camembert give me some crackers and some jam i'm good to go that actually sounds delicious i know (laughs) i'm telling you so thank you so much for being here it's really great to have you and we're going to be talking about your rom-com debut, your mm-hmm. uh, workplace rom-com partner track, um, which is your very first book. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm a baby. Just a little baby. How, just a little baby. And so how long did it take for you to write this? Uh, it took about 38 years, I would say, okay. to write it. <laughs> uh, no, it took me, honestly, once I figured out that I could write an entire novel, it took me about three months. And then Oh. Just for the first draft. And then honestly, it went really fast for me. This particular novel. Every novel is kind of a little bit different. And this one came okay. out pretty quick. Yeah. So, okay. So this is your first published book, but how many, have you written novels before that are sitting in a dr- oh desk drawer somewhere? Or So none. This is the first book I've ever read, which I know sounds bad. <laughs> yeah, n- well, I mean, it, no, not bad. I mean, the first book I've ever finished. So I started you know, hundreds, hundreds of books. And I've written like 50,000 words into a historical romance and then just dropped it because I I didn't know how to construct a plot, which is 
kind of vital. I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but you do need a plot. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If you talk to my editor, she'll probably be like, yeah, Elle doesn't know how to construct a plot either. I mean, so. yeah, you cannot subsist on vibes alone. Like you actually need a conflict and you need a plot and you got to kind of work with those things. Once I figured out some mechanics of writing a story, I think like the the craft of writing I had already honed, not that I'm like some amazing you know what I'm saying but it's like I had already written a lot so it didn't take me that long once I figured that part out yeah right you know I sometimes I think in a way plot can be like the hardest thing to figure out I think it is for me it it is for me too yeah I'm like what is it so what is it people do here like that's the question I'm always asking myself like what is it we actually do in our lives and then that becomes a very complicated answer because the, the truth is I don't yeah. know. I do nothing. I just like do nothing. So, <laughs> so like truly this all comes from my brain. Like this is really a fantasy here that you get to live, live out my fantasy with me. Well, I think, you know, I think especially for romance. So when I started writing, I actually was writing urban fantasy before mm. I was writing romance. And so your plot is usually very action driven. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and so for me, it's like, well, somebody needs to pull out a gun or else I don't know what we're going to do, uh-huh, right? Yeah. Like, you know, so so it's been very, the transition to romance has been really hard for me to sort of rely on the relationship between the love interest to sort of be the thing that drives the plot as opposed to having some sort of like explosion right or you know something super dramatic you know like the world is gonna end and we have to save it you know and that's like because that's kind of I mean I hate to say that's an easy plot but you know it kind of is there's easy conflict there (laughs) right right as opposed to like feelings oh my god so hard feelings are messy they are embarrassing too so that's definitely a big part of romance getting over your embarrassment like just getting past it I can I, I can swear right Oh my God, I'm a sailor. Yes. I know, just make sure. Getting the fuck over it. Uh, yeah, that's the big, that is such a challenge. Although good crossover with urban fantasy and romance. That's a good crossover right there. Two good skills for genre writing. Well, yeah, I like to say my characters are either fighting or fucking. So I mean. What else could you ask for? I know. It's sort of like the most primal instinct. Yeah, right? just living the dream. Um, yeah, I mean, I am going to merge the two at some point with a paranormal. Yes. I just don't know when I'm going to do it. Yes. But, but I think we're, like, you're really onto something. And I think it's so funny, like, talking about writing the naughty bits and writing the steamy bits. There is a little bit of a discomfort there. And I think that that does stem from a little bit of, like, giggly embarrassment, you know? Oh, it's fully, like, puritanical upbringing, shame-based, like, blur out the naughty bits on public TV or whatever. That's... That's fully where I get it all from. And you just have to say, like, fuck it. I'm going to go full cringe. I'm going to embarrass myself. And I'm going to, like, I'm going to do this sex scene right. You know? That's what you have to do. Right. Right. And I and I do think that there is something to that about, you know, blurring out the naughty bits on TV. Because when you think about it, we are exposed to so much violence in pop mm-hmm. culture. I, you know, nobody blurs out the gunshots, the explosions, the dead bodies, the blood, but they do blur out the sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's, And I'm not quite sure why. I think, like, we elevate war as something uh, important that men do. Violence is something important that men do, although everybody, you know, engages in violence to some degree. But, uh, like, sex and love 
as far as it's looked at as something important is like, we, we can't handle that as a culture just yet. Like we're not there. I don't know that we will get there or whatever, but yeah, that's the double standard. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it is definitely seen as like a quote unquote feminine. Right. Thing, right. Which is so like funny. That, which is, which is so funny, yeah. which is so weird and funny. Cause it's like, you know, I, I mean, my, my husband is way more romantic. Than Same. I Same. <laughs> and I write romance. He is so romantic. Yes. He is so yes. sensitive. I mean, yes. I wouldn't tell. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh my God. Do you celebrate Valentine's? You know, I don't. I am very much not a conventional kind of person, so I don't. But I think he would if I wanted to. He certainly would. Do you? Do you? No. And every year he yeah. asks me, what do you want me to get for Valentine's Aww. Day? You for Valentine's Day. And I'm like, if you get me something, I'll fucking kill you. And he's like, that's what I thought. So, I mean, it, at least it gives you strong feelings. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. It does. And I, I'm always going off like that fucking Hallmark yeah. holiday. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like way too, there's way too much capitalism infused in Valentine's Day for me to feel any kind of certain way about it. Like, I'm just, I like, sure, get me candy, I guess. But... But also, yeah, I mean, my, my partner is also such a way that like, he, I'm just really lucky. I will say I'm lucky. I definitely don't deserve him. A hundred percent. I do not. I, I almost never hear women say they don't deserve their male partners, but I, this is the case for me. He just, he'll get me anything, anytime. Like I don't. So like Valentine's Day doesn't feel like special. He does like everything for me. I should probably ask you to edit this out, but I won't. (laughs) He's great. He's great. He's great. Yeah. No, and I wouldn't either because yeah. he's totally gonna or he's gonna hold it against you and be like, hey, really? I mean, he knows it's right? true. He knows it's true. Okay, yeah. okay. So there you go. No, it, you know, I think I think that's really funny because I am sort of he, my husband is so much rom- more romantic than me, and here I am pounding away writing, pounding, <laughs> literally huh? pounding. writing romance, <laughs> literally pounding away, and he is just. And then it's like you know, he's oh flowers. I'm like, why would you buy me flowers? You're spending money on something that's gonna die. Oh yeah. And then, oh yeah. <laughs> I don't mind I don't mind the morbidity of that. You know, it's a little interesting. Oh like, yeah. like my cold black yeah. heart. Yeah. yeah. I'm just gonna watch these wither and fade on my kitchen table. Like why? And that's exactly what uh-huh. they do, actually, when I get, the, when I get the flowers. <laughs> so, you know, he has way more of that going than I that's do. Sweet. And yeah, and I love it that you have the mm-hmm. same because that yeah, that matters. I know. So okay, so this is your first finished completed book and you have so when did you start writing um so sadly I started writing right away (laughs) like it was a curse you know it's I I think I wrote like my first story when I was like six years old I remember it was a mystery with like the two main characters were like dogs and they were oh, saw and it. like a cat was the villain which I like cats by the way I'm not trying to villainize cats but yeah I, I just remember writing that in a notebook when I was really young and I I don't really have like my grandfather's also a writer but as far as I can tell that's like the sole genetic writerly component that I received from right. my family um but right. it was enough to make me this desperate little creative person before you today so, so I've always been writing um I haven't always been writing well and I pro and I still don't write well very often, but yeah. 
So did you did you sort of like grow up being like I'm going to be an author someday, or did you detour into something completely? Oh different? no, I surely wanted to be an author. That was like the dream, and and then I worked every stupid shitty job anyone could ever write and or write could work, <laughs> and I uh, and then I don't know. I just uh, one day I just decided I was just going to go for it, and I was like, let's make this you know, don't let your dreams be dreams. Let's like make this real. Um, Mm -hmm. and I did, that's kind of like a strange thing to say. I don't, yeah, I always wanted to be a writer and, and sometimes you got to work shitty jobs too. That's just the truth of it. Yeah, I know. But you know, the, the goal is to write enough that you don't have to work the shitty job anymore. (laughs) Then you make writing your shitty job and that's the circle of life. <laughs> because there's always something that sucks. I about mean, the job, listen, right? you know? I'm fully anti-work, so yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know. And just for the record, I have seen your couch on Instagram, and while it looks a little like tired, it also looks very comfortable yeah. and like a really great writing. Spot. Yeah, I had to put a cover over it because it was so gross. I was like, there is no saving this thing. There is no professional cleaning in the world. Like, it's really got to go. But I am, I, I, and the dogs, we are very attached to it oh <laughs> I know when the puppies love something too it's hard to I know give it up. I know it's so hard, it's hard to give it up, <laughs> even if it's gross which it is <laughs> yeah so okay so so when you said like I, I gotta I gotta do this thing I've got to do mm-hmm. this thing is that when you actually did sit down and write partner track or is that when you started writing your 50,000 words of <laughs> historical uh, of historical? No, yeah. That was when I sat down and wrote partner track. I okay. just, so I think what had happened was I ha- was running a small business where it was taking up all my time. I was just so tired and exhausted. And then COVID hit and all these restrictions happened. And for me, it was actually a good thing. Obviously, writ large, it was a terrible thing. And I right. wish it hadn't happened. But I did like personally benefit in certain ways. And one of those ways was I was able to gear down my business, which had just become such a nightmare to manage. <laughs> but I was able to reduce it, make it smaller, and then focus on writing. And once I did that, um, once I had like some time and a clear mind, I... I found myself writing this story that was just kind of in my head and the story didn't start the way it ended up as they usually, you know, they usually don't. It started as something else and then it just uh, came out of me. (laughs) Sometimes it happens that way. Sometimes it doesn't. Right. Right. So may I ask what you do or did prior to writing? Um, So I had, this is going to sound a little strange. I had a dog walking business um, which was really so much work. Like I had, <laughs> I, can imagine. I mean, cause I had people, I, you know, I was like managing other people too. So it was right. like, um, I just had like so many clients, so many dogs, so many people to manage. And it sounds like a logistical nightmare to it, be honest with I was you. exhausted. And my husband was like, why are you working so hard at this? Like in the most, in the nicest way, he was like, why are you killing yourself at this job? Like, I don't even think you like it that much. Although I do love walking dogs because as a neurodivergent person, I can't, cannot work at a desk for, I can't work for people. I have to be like free. I have to be like in charge of my schedule and myself. And I love to be like outside and walking. And I was just like, I don't know why I'm like killing myself over this job. Like, I don't know why I'm doing that. And then, you know, uh, having to gear down my business just 
it, it made me think like, I should probably actually go after what I want in life and not just settle for a thing that I think I deserve. Like I should go after the thing I think I don't deserve, which is being a writer. And then I got it. <laughs> oh, can we unpack yeah. this? Why do you think you didn't deserve it? I mean, I want to know what you think about this too, but I, um, you know, <laughs> like, look, I come from a bad family uh, and I had a bad childhood and, uh, you know, bad childhoods equal trauma in your twenties, twenties, like in my twenties was just like a wild time. And so I just never saw myself as somebody kind of worthy of a creative job when I knew that was my calling. Like I knew it mm. deep down inside. I've always known it. And I've always, and I, and so I just, I thought that I didn't deserve to go after the thing that I really wanted. I don't know. It's so much to unpack. Thank you for this therapy it, session. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be $160 yeah. you, on the way Did out. you feel that way? Did you have that feeling? <laughs> well, you know, it, it's actually very funny. This has actually been so on my mind lately, right? Um, and I was actually so funny. going to post a story about this on Instagram today that I just didn't have time to do. Um, because I, I, I sort of picked up, okay, hold on everyone. I got to like, look up the IG that, cause there was this kind of great quote by a psychologist that I follow on IG and, um, many children, I'm quoting, many children are raised in homes where they're expected to perform, achieve and compete to provide self-worth to a parent. Mm -hmm. Then we wonder why we have a society of anxious adults. And that like so resonated mm -hmm. with me in so many ways. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know this because they don't talk about this. I have a sibling. I have a sister. And we're estranged. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason I think while we're estranged, yada, 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 that, you know, ultimately that doesn't matter. But she's unbelievably smart. Like. PhD at very fancy, expensive schools, like, mm -hmm. like super smart. And I was always a little like more creative and a little bit like weirder. And I didn't like school. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't like sitting through school. I didn't like being told what to do. No. <laughs> I thought this, I thought the shit we were studying was truly shit. Um, you know, and, and so I, I was very rebellious and anyway, that I was kind of, I wasn't like the good student. Right. And I, so, in, so it wasn't looking at, like, it wasn't looking at the kid and being like, well, actually you're really smart. You're just not interested in this thing we're forcing you to do. Right. It was, well, you're not the smart one. Your sister's the smart one. And so for me, it was like, well, only smart people write books. Yes. That was the thing. Very much. And so even though I wanted to write, I ultimately, when I started writing creatively, I wrote plays because stupid people, I mean, <laughs> I don't want to say stupid people write plays, <laughs> but like stupid people are actors, right? Like that's always been like, actors aren't smart. Like that's always been the thing, right? And that's actually what I started doing in high school is I did a lot of acting. I went to university as an acting student and then got incredible stage fright and oh, transitioned I feel you. to playwriting. And uh, because I could just, I could write plays. Like that was the thing I could do. I loved doing it. But to actually write a book felt completely out of reach for me because I was the stupid one mm. and stupid people don't write books. That's so interesting how you internalize that message. And it's interesting how your creati creativity and your skills still happened. 
even though you had that internalized message, you were like, well, I'm going to write plays as if that's not extremely difficult, like a huge undertaking. (laughs) (laughs) But you don't actually have to write descriptions, which is really (laughs) nice. But like, but yeah, I, I, you know, I think that there is something there. And I think that that also, like, I was reading somewhere where some, some therapist was like, there's no such thing as imposter syndrome. That's something that we've made up. And I'm like, no, actually there is a thing of it. And I think that's why I have such imposter syndrome because it's like, I'm the dumb one. Yeah. I'm stupid. You know? So I don't know if that's kind of similar to what you're talking about, but I totally am relating to what you're saying. I think, yes. I mean, I was, I was not. I was con- so I w- a little different for me. I was considered like a gifted child that just didn't live up to my potential and that's kind mm. of like and the reason I didn't live up to this like conventional quote unquote potential is because well one I'm neurodivergent and right. I just do not operate the way other people <laughs> operate like I just don't right. and when you're like a smart kid, you can definitely get by with a lot because you're curious about a lot of things. But as you get older and, you know, school is really kind of like based off of prison, you know, so they, yeah, it's, it's it like a prison or it's like a factory job. Like that's really what they kind of base the whole construct of school from, or at least when I was in school. And, you know, that for someone like me, I did not respond well to that. And right. therefore I, be, I think like to my parents, I became this huge disappointment because she was our gifted child who just is so lazy or just like, doesn't try hard. And of course that's not true about me at all. I'm extremely not lazy. Um, but you right. can't get me to do shit. I don't want to do. And that's kind of the difference. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, stubborn maybe, but definitely sure. not lazy, sure. you know, right? right? You know what I mean? Like, and I agree with that. Yeah, I was also told that I was lazy and why didn't I just apply myself? Right, as if, as if you could just do that. As if that was a thing everyone could just do. As if we're all exactly the same. Right. If you just applied yourself, yeah. you'd do better. And it was like, well, no. I mean, why am I going to apply myself to something that I, I, I want absolutely no part of that? Right, and like the None. payoff seems not great. I'm like, what's the payoff here to me doing well in like an AP chemistry class? Exactly. Like, what am I getting out of that? And you know what? Smart kids make do the math. They do the quote unquote math on that. And they'll find that there's really not a great payoff. What am I going to do? Like, I'm going to work for Wall Street later and you're going to be proud of me because I'm rich. Like, that's really not the dream for me. That's not it. I don't know. Right, right. And that's that is the thing. I think that we're like, you know, we're give we're we're told what our dreams are. Mm-hmm. We're not allowed to come up with them on our yeah. own when we're really young. I think in some situations, I think I mean, I hope that parents now, but I sure as hell try and be better, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of that and sort of not foisting these expectations on my kids. Look, you got to heal your um, generational wounds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I do think so. That quote must have resonated with you. Yeah, totally, <laughs> completely does. I mean, and I follow like all those kinds of like you know inner child psychologist type accounts because I'm just that kind of person. Totally, like definitely bring in your podcast down right today. <laughs> I'm like, let's unpack our childhood trauma together, <laughs> and then you can read a blowjob scene that I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's totally fine because then we are going to be talking about bulldozers. But no, this is something that I've talked about before on the podcast. And I certainly, you know, I taught it. I I taught a class in writing steamy scenes the other weekend. And, you know, it's something I talk about that sex is a a way to heal trauma. Like that's, that's, you know, you heal trauma through the act of sex. And so, you know, how do you approach that in writing? And so, so, I mean, I think that all of this, this whole conversation and the blowjob scene and everything, <laughs> like it all converges, right? It sure does. You know, it totally does. So even though it seems completely out there and like, mm-hmm. like and it's like now we're, now we're, now we're like, we are no longer a writing podcast. <laughs> we are a therapy podcast. But, I mean, <laughs> this is kind of like my go-to and I do feel like everyone I talk to, I end up like just, just disclosing like every secret about myself which I don't know what that says about me but I am just like ready to spill you know what I mean that's just me <laughs> it's all the tea. yeah all the time all the tea <laughs> um so then you know there must be a reason behind what drew you to romance because you're writing a romance historical like you're not over here going I wrote the best political thriller <laughs> and then I just junked it. Yes. You're writing romance. Yes. So I love the creativity of romantic and interpersonal interactions. Like there is so much subtext and symbolism to be mined within romance. And I find that exciting and titillating. I find it uplifting. And Mm. as a person with a neurodivergent brain, it is a dopamine rich genre. And that, that to me, that makes me a moth to a smutty that's why I'm drawn to romance you know (laughs) so were you always reading romance kind of I and I know you you asked the question like what was your first uh what was your first first? what was your first so my book my first romance novel I was too too young to be reading it really although who's to decide it right like who's to decide that I don't know um but so my grandfather who's also a writer I I didn't know him really at all and I had basically no relationship with him, but something he did, did change the course of my life, life, which is he sent a beat up cardboard box of used books to my house one day. And I found them. It was just like at the front door, someone had delivered it. And uh, most of the books in there were trash, but one book I found in there was called Whitney, My Love by Judith McNaught, which is a classic, a classic historical Regency romance. And it had a discreet cover, so I think that's why I picked it up and opened it, and uh, it blew my fucking mind, my 11-year-old mind. I, Whitney, My Love is also, like, a terrible romance, for the record. Like, it is... All the old ones oh, are oh, yeah, like you Like, with all sorts of, like, dub con and rapey shit, oh, and yeah, it's like, yeah. Fully, yeah, yeah. full rape scene in that book. Um, the, the hero is just, like, a villain, a like beyond villain, but you're supposed to like, it's exactly the guy you should not fuck in real life. And I, I just like loved it. I loved it so much. (laughs) I just didn't know. I was like, every part about this is interesting. Like every single part is giving me the dopamine hit that I need. There's no like boring interlude. Like it is all it romance in my opinion is the gimme, gimme, gimme. And I Mm. love that about romance. So that was my first one. And then after that, I didn't read romance for like, I picked up a book here and there. I like didn't have access to them really. And then as I became an adult, uh, you know, I was an English major in college and I thought I was like too cool. I was going to read like electric Kool-Aid acid test instead or whatever, like yeah. whatever, like yeah. cool thing I thought men were into. 
that was a time. And then um, just like maybe five years ago, I started, I, I was like, remember that book I read like when I was 11 and how that really impacted <laughs> me? I'm going to look for that book. And I did not find that book, but I did find, because I looked in like a library app, but I did find um, Lisa Kleypas. I found Sarah McLean. I found mm. Faded Mates, uh, the podcast, and yeah. all of that really really changed my life again. Um, and that's when, so like, that's when I read a ton of romance, just like 200 books in like a very short period of time. So I, it's like candy, yes. like, right. Like you just, it just slides down and you just like, you just read and read and read and read and read, which is the great thing I love about it. romance is you always get like, you're right. There is a dopamine hit. There is this sort of, there's a really wonderful sort of satisfaction mm-hmm. when you finish a romance that you're like, yes. Right. That's great. And you also don't have to finish them. Like, that's the other thing. No, you don't. I mean, like, yeah, that is true. I'm not like, I'm a chaotic, evil kind of person, I guess. Like, I don't finish every book I read. So, but you don't have to with romance and it's going to be okay. If you don't, I have about 16 <laughs> books going at yes. once and none of them will be finished. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I'm the worst reader sometimes, you know, I really, well, I will say like the podcast that I host, like has made me a better reader because I like when we have guests on, I'll read their book and, or books, some of them at least. And then I have to read beginning to end and take note. You know what I mean? It becomes more academic right. and that has been interesting too. And I've kind of taught myself to be a little more patient. <laughs> with reading that way so wait how long does it i'm curious okay first of all um a cat hosts tall dark and dark and fictional podcast which is really smart and i know you say it's It's not not. but (laughs) (laughs) i thought it i thought it was really smart and um and i was like oh this is really great why does she want to come on oh my god Stop. <laughs> okay oh god. um so but I'm kind of I'm really actually fat because like full disclosure I can't I don't have to, I can't read the books before I talk to the writers like I just know I mean and you shouldn't right <laughs> and I'm shouldn't. really impressed that you do it's a nightmare though even like and I want to read the books obviously as I'm sure you want to read the books right but it's like yeah. like I have everybody's book lined yeah. up on my kindle to read <sighs> like after I talk to them I'm like okay go buy yeah. one, click that buy that but it's just it's it's a lot I mean I just love the rush of a deadline I think so I will, read, <laughs> I will read a whole book the day the guest is coming on I will just do whatever it takes and you know I I don't know I I just like to know that about the guests before they come on I think we also record fewer episodes than you do so we probably have more time to do it Okay, so that's something right. yeah we're not as prolific and you know we haven't been around for as long but yeah it's definitely been it's a challenge to oh, so why'd you start the podcast that's like, because this the podcast came before your book like you've been doing this for what a year uh, no so I had already gotten a deal on my book when I started the podcast yeah okay. so I, I got a deal on my book pretty quick so I um which never happens by the way <laughs> just to anyone listening. I'm kind of curious. What was your process? Because you're not doing this independently. Right. You have a publisher. Right. I, who, who's publishing you again? So I published with Karina, which is Karina, a Harlequin right. imprint. Yeah, I believe right. that's how they describe it. Uh, yeah. yeah, I just, I didn't know what I was doing. I had never like submitted anything before. Um, and I just happened to get a deal pretty fast. I, I think like that's not typical. And uh I don't know what else to say. I'm really not like a good on that stuff. 
<laughs> I feel like, though, it's like a little bit more typical because I do Is know it? that there have been a couple of authors that I've talked to, and now I can't remember who, have been like, well, actually, it was a really quick process. Well, that's good to know because, like, yeah, most, yeah. most people, I hear their stories and they're like, well, I started this book in 2018, and then, like, it's just coming out today, like, 2022, and I'm like, damn, writing is slow. <laughs> like, it is. Well, I think it also depends who you're pot- – like, Karina right, and, and even Harlequin, like, they're pretty fast, but I know, like, I've been going – you know, I was going to cons, um, you know, comic con specifically for a while because of the urban fantasy and I would talk to other urban fantasy authors um who are trad and it was like like seriously five years from when they submitted their wow. manuscript to their editor like they already they had the deal they were waiting right? yeah they were just waiting because between the editorial yep. the editing process would take x amount of time and then everything would get shipped to China to be printed and then the books would have to come over on the boat Mm -hmm. from China to be distributed like it was a really freaking long ass Mm. process and I'm wondering and yeah yeah I do wonder uh so I I when was that was that recently oh my god I haven't like a while ago this was probably I think the last one I went to was like even way before the pandemic, maybe 2015. Okay, I, so it was really a while ago. I, th- I feel like a lot has changed in a very short amount of time. That's kind of what I'm wondering because I think like obviously self-published authors, independently published authors can really get stuff out quickly in a way that yeah. traditional publishers have historically not done. And I think maybe yeah. his traditional publishers are feeling that and maybe they're tightening their timelines a little bit. I don't really know. Honestly, I'm really not very smart about this stuff. <laughs> Well, and I also think urban fantasy is very different. Like Long. I think in it, romance imprints, yes. like you, they they have to respond to market quickly. You're right, right. Yes. So they have to, you know, Harlequin is going to move way faster than like Macmillan, and I don't even or whatever. I can't even remember the imprints yeah. now for urban fantasy, but they're going to be like move way faster than urban fantasy simply because the market demands. That. This is this is very true, and that's the thing about romance is the market demands it. Like we. The market loves romance. Like we uphold yeah. the, the publishing industry. <laughs> like romance sells, and uh, which I think is cool. I'm like very into it. So I'm curious. Um, what did they respond to with your? Because I I kind of love. I just want to like throw out here. Like this is like you are like tropealicious. Yeah. There's so many tropes going on in this book. <laughs> um, yeah. Like what did the publisher respond to about the book? Yeah. Like what yes. did they, what what were they responding so to? So what I got. Uh, you know, the messaging I got from them was that they liked my main character and they found her compelling, which is funny because I had also gotten feedback that she was not likable enough. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I have a question about that. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about it. I mean, let's talk about it. Fully. Like, and I, I knew it when I wrote my character, I was like, you know, this could potentially be polarizing, like writing in a character who, um, is kind of mean sometimes and you know has a lot of like protective uh walls and coping mechanisms Mm. um but I think she's very likable I do of course I think she is and uh I think she's also a very very vulnerable character Mm. um and I think like a thing about unlikable characters is they 
those characters want to keep their dignity, I think, and they keep finding themselves in a world that doesn't respect their dignity. And that's what can make them unlikable. Oh. And I think we can all relate to that because the world does not care about us. So we're all just trying to hold on to like a sliver, a sliver of our humanity all the time. Um, yeah. And I feel like that needs to be represented. I actually don't even know that I think there is such a thing as a likable or unlikable character. Like, I don't really even know that that is like how you would even define that. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that we all have likable and unlikable qualities and something that's really likable in me is probably completely abhorrent to somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like something that my husband likes about me, right? Yeah. Which is probably the fact that I'm so not romantic <laughs> could be like, could be completely abhorrent to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that person's going to be like, Oh my God. Yeah. No, 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 no. Right. Know? And And so I think that, you know, that's also something else that we have to factor in. And also humans are complicated. Yeah. And like, how do you just define somebody by like one thing? But I mean, obviously these are characters and books we're talking about, but also, I don't know. It's just to me, I was, it's like, I also kind of struggle with the idea of like a beta male or an alpha male and like what makes what and who is who. And I just, I don't find those Although I will use those definitions, like I'll use them all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't really find them that helpful. I just don't. I mean, I don't even know really like what they are because <laughs> I swear I write beta males yeah. and then reviewers will be like, oh my God, that, that character was so alpha. And I'm like, really? Why do you think? Like, okay. like what's their reasoning? Um, I don't know. I don't know. That's a really good question. I, I'm probably like, I'm gonna have to like find a reader that said that, that like, I, I have like some interaction yeah. with mine and be like, Hey, so what do you think? They, because to me, and maybe this is just my own, like, again, this is my own, whatever coloring it, like any sort of alpha male that I have read is kind of a dick. And I have a really hard time writing men that are dicks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a theory. Like, I just do. Do you want to hear my theory on this? Yes, okay. I do. I think that alpha males are fragile masculinity and that beta males are men secure in their masculinity and that something in our culture makes us want to have a man who is fragile in his masculinity. Boom. Isn't that fucked up? Mike. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think you might be right. <laughs> it's just one I theory. I think you might be right. I think you might be right. And it's going to actually, this could actually change the trajectory of my next Oh, okay. I want to know everything about that. <laughs> but no, I think yeah. that that's actually really a really sort of great point. Um, but I also think that it kind of. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like when I do read like super alpha main characters, they feel really two dimensional to me. And I think maybe that's the piece that might be missing is that you're right. They are probably fragile in their masculinity. And that's why they're sort of like this hyper masculine Mm -hmm. dude. And so in that case that you, there's got to be a little bit more layering in there, a little bit more complexity than I think that we're, we're given. Right. And maybe, I mean, I'm sure there's a. I'm sure there's many writers out there doing the job admirable, ad, admirably, admirably. There we go. Admirable, I got it. I got yes. it. <laughs> it was funny because uh, also one of the things my editor said, which just surprised me. She was like, "You wrote a perfect beta male," and I was like, "I did. I wrote a beta male." I was like, "I had no idea like what I had created," and then I was like, "Okay, I guess I can see that um, because." you know, my female character is like a bitch. So you got to foil that against something. 
Um, mm. That is not, that's like a little bit lighter. But I also just saw him as someone who was like extremely confident in who he was. So he had nothing to prove. Like he wasn't out there trying to be like, you know, I mean, he, we do get a lot of like pick her up and throw over his, sh- his shoulder moments. We do get those, but you know, not, I don't know, just not in the typical alpha way, obviously. I don't think I've ever written one of those. And I think I'd like you got to write one. You, you got to do it. <laughs> yeah. I've never actually done that. And I'm like, Oh, like now that you just sort of put it out there, I'm like, Oh wait, I've never done I that. Hope you do. I, I hope you do it now. The world needs your version of that particular. That is almost a trope. <laughs> I know. I, I want to twist it, though. Yes, so, okay, yes. anyway. <laughs> do it. Do it. Do it. For sure. Oh, but I want to jump back for a second and find out, like, why you decided to um, do a podcast. Oh, um, you know, I think the reason why is because I hyperfixate on things. And that could be really annoying to people who do not enjoy or share my particular niche interests. And so I was like, I got to talk more about romance. I got to talk more about writing. And I'm a pretty, like, I'm just like a talkative person in general. So I was like, I'm just going to go for it and start a podcast. Why the fuck not? And also, I wanted to make friends with other writers and kind of like open up the writing community to me, which I did not feel like I was a part of. Now I feel more like I am, but it it's kind of a scary endeavor. It is. And I found that a lot of authors, I don't know how they know each I, other. What the fuck is right? that? I'm like, every, it's always like you're walking into like a lunch table where everyone's sitting at like already knows each other. And you're just like a new kid. Yes. <laughs> like, what is And this? you're like the new kid Which, and you're uh, like, hey. I know. And I feel like I always play this role in life. And so it's like just, you know, history repeats itself. And, and so... Yeah, that that is how it feels. <laughs> yeah, I completely get and I don't know if they like find each other if there's like some sort of Facebook group that I don't belong to or like and I try and join all these Facebook groups because I know we're supposed to be in Facebook groups and interacting yeah. and all of that. And I join them and then I sit there and don't say anything. Yeah. Because I don't know what to say. <laughs> well, they're a little bit overwhelming. It's they are it's a lot. They are. Yeah. It is a lot. I, it is a lot. I know. And now are you an extrovert or like how do you identify? You know, it's, I don't know actually what I am anymore. I feel like <laughs> if you had asked me when I was like 20, I'd be like, oh my God, total extrovert. Yeah. And then, and then I feel like with age, I've become way more introverted, uh-huh. if that makes yes. sense. Like I, and so, and so it's weird. Cause like, I love going out and especially with my friends and like, I see, and I'm like, I don't see you enough and it's always so much fun. But then, but, but then I'm like, oh, but if I just, I just want to stay home. Yeah. You know, I like my dogs. Oh, yeah. I like my family. I like my couch. I like my wine. Mm-hmm. I like my, you mm-hmm. know, like, like it's just cozy in here and I don't want to leave. Yeah, that's my shit right there. Now, but I'm the same. I used to be like heavily identify as an extrovert and uh, I don't know. I've just changed. I just want to be inside the same thing with my dogs on the couch. I don't know. I don't know if that just happens or what, but, but other, I feel like we're the same person at this point. So, I mean, I'll just leave. You I can mean, finish I'll... the, the, my answers. <laughs> Our work here is done. You are talking to the same person. Yay. Yeah. Cause yeah, it's weird. And I don't know how that happened. Mm-hmm. It just, it just seemed like one day it was just like, Oh no, actually I like this better. I, I felt like that too. I don't know what it is. And I don't know, like, I don't know. I feel like some of it was pandemic related for me because I used to be like someone who always wanted to go out and like drink and, and have people over for dinner parties and all that. And I still do like some of those things. But when yeah. I really got the chance to just sit with myself and 
and get to know other people who are also writing, then I, I was like, oh, I'm going to choose option B now all the time. Um, yeah, I did the same thing. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, part of the reason why I started my podcast, well, I mean, part of it was because I was struggling with writing the naughty bits. Mm. And I was like, okay, so I want to hear about, like, I want to talk to other writers and hear what they're doing and talk about what they're doing and and get tips and tricks and is it hard for them? Is it easy? Am I alone? Am I weird? And then and then I just realized, oh, my God, and I'm talking to all these people that I wouldn't be able to talk to. And I actually have writer friends now. Yes, and this yes, is awesome. Yes. Did you make, you know, yeah, I, you made good writer friends? Oh years? my God. Like we traveled to see each other yeah. and yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I went to, um, I went to LA and I saw LB Alexander who I adore and we hung out and then, um, Isabel Jolie came up to a conference in new England from, she's, she's down South, I think like North Carolina, mm-hmm. South Carolina area like mm. you. And she came and I saw she was going to be at a conference like an hour away from me and I was like well fuck that I'm going to that conference too <laughs> and so like we we went to that conference together so it's been like really really great yeah because I'm finding like I'm making friends yeah isn't that strange and you know I mean and you know you gotta say like once you become a certain age it's, it's so hard you have to be kind of like yeah. you have to be like maniacal about it if you want to make friends yeah. and that is how I act like I have no shame about I'm like anyone can send me a message and I will probably end up being their friend. Like, the, it's very easy to become my friend. <laughs> oh, good. excellent. Okay, so we do Zoom happy hours. Yes. And we do. Yes. <laughs> so, so come on along. Um... <laughs> I am a weirdo, though. So you have to be prepared for that. That's okay. We're all a We should be, at least. I, You know, we should be. I mean, half the time I'm like half dressed and unshowered. So that's totally Of course. (laughs) Naturally, naturally. So I'm curious, since we are, you know, we do need to talk about the scenes and I'm going to be reading from yours. Was this the first? Okay, first, there seems to be a high heat level going on in your (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I'm very curious, how many steamy scenes do you have? A lot. Really? A lot. I don't know how many. Okay. Uh, oh my god, okay. I don't have a count, and I should know, huh? Um, there's a lot. I don't. I don't hold back. I just like to deliver the goods, right? So, okay. And so for you, have you? I'm assuming then in your abandoned novels, you had been writing steamy. Um. So I really only, not really. I only really had oh. once. I know. These are bad answers. This makes me sound like I have no idea what I'm doing. And maybe I don't. No, we, none of us know what we're <laughs> doing. True. It's totally fine. Nobody knows what they're doing. And anybody who says that they do is a fucking liar. Thank you for that reassurance. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really had not written anything like that before. Um, but I had just come off of like, like I said, reading like 200 romance novels and okay. just kind of reflecting on the different ways that writers would write sex scenes and you know like the varying degrees of heat levels and just taking from that whatever not taking but like you know taking my own kind of interpretation on how I wanted to present sex scenes uh, on the page and you were like full tilt I was like well listen (laughs) once you had that freedom you were like full tilt you were like okay (laughs) well my whole philosophy is like if you don't make yourself cringe then you're not doing it right like you gotta go in go in hard go in true and and I like to like 
offer up that vulnerability to a reader also. Um, I kind of want people to almost like have to look away for a second because you feel like, oh my God, we are in it. Like we are in this moment with these people. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's probably my philosophy on smut. So was it easy for you then to write the first one or were you like, oh my God. I was like cringing so hard, so incredibly embarrassed, but I am at some point in my life, I just became the kind of person who was like, fuck it and just do the thing. Like life's too short. You're going to die. <laughs> so you might as well do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So it, is, then when you're writing, is it something that just is like, it, it's as easy to write that scene as it is to write the, the scene that came, you know, before it in the restaurant, the office building between the best friends, whatever it is, right. or, or is it one of those scenes where you're like, okay, I know that this is going to be a rough writing day for me. Uh, no scenes are easy for me to write. So it's all equally hard. And, okay. uh, but sex scenes are not like harder for me. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, you know, I think I just kind of know the situation I want the characters to be in. And as long as I know how the stakes are going to change and how they're going to come out on it, the other side, um, the the rest the rest is just elbowing my way through and okay. an instinct you know and uh, and you'd be surprised what your brain will come up with if you give it a little push if you give it a chance right okay. um how like, how many I'm curious do you write every day God how dare you ask me this oh, <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't write every day totally I don't but I did for NaNoWriMo. I did win okay. NaNoWriMo. do you write every day um, I write five days a week. That's pretty good. That's pretty damn good. Um, I don't write a lot of words. Like I'm not, you know how you ha- you hear those authors and they're like, well, I write 15,000 words a day. I know. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> um, you know, I do about, a th- I, I have a goal of a thousand every day, That's a- which I've been knockwood hitting nice. until like this week. It's been a little drag. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but that's really, like, forcing myself to. But, you know, I have a day job. Right. Um, you know, I write for my day job, too. So so I have a lot of writing going on throughout my day. Um, but I do so I do try and do, like, you know, 5,000 words a week. That's that's always the goal. I feel like that's very good. I um, So I've taken, like, a lot of personality tests for various jobs over the years. And I don't know if you've taken this one ever. But there is, like, this thing about are you a paced worker or a non-paced worker? I think I'm describing that right. Have you ever heard of this? I've never heard of so, that. So, okay, no. part of it is, like, do you – are you a steady, consistent worker or are you somebody who can change up your pace based on when things are due? So, like – Maybe, like I said, the rush of the deadline just kind of like gives me energy. Um, If I have like a reason to write a lot, I will and I can and I can be like incredibly prolific. But that will also kind of empty me out and then I'll need to like refill again after a while. So um, I I don't write every day, but like so I might take like chunks of time off. I always feel terrible, though, when I take those time when I take that time off. Yeah, and I I know I need to take a chunk of time. Like I feel like, like... I I feel a little bit like I'm on a grind, yeah, right? Yeah. Because I finish one book and I automatically start with the next, right. and I never slow down to sort of like take a couple of weeks, you yeah. know, to maybe not do this thing every day. Um, because I'm always feeling this constant pressure to like get the next yep. book out. Because I know you know romance authors release quickly. I know. And I just don't write that fast. I don't write fast enough. Because this is the time in the podcast where we talk about capitalism and the machine of production. (laughs) 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 That's where we are. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my god! And and so uh, <laughs> Stalinism <Yeah>. is. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it, but what you're saying is like what I think I hear so many other romance writers talk about in a big kind of like a conversation that's happening in the ether of publishing in general. It's just like how do we continue this grind and how do we continue to yeah. pump out books like a Katie Robert, you know, like, and some people can just do that forever and ever, or I don't know. Um, but we're all different. Yeah. I mean, for me, that's not sustainable. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I would like to ditch the day job and be able to write more words per day, but to be honest with you, I don't know that I would get, I don't know that I would get enough words per day to be that writer that, that releases a book every, every month. Cause I think that's insane. I, I mean, I applaud that writer. That could not be me. I, but I can't do that. Um, like neither. to me, that pace is ridiculous. Ha- like, no. Have you interviewed writers who do that? Um, I don't know that I've had anybody on that's necessarily rapid release, that, or at least that we've talked about it, and not in that way. I think a lot of them are using ghostwriters. Uh-huh. And Dirty secrets. It. Or, you know, I do know that some authors uh, are doing, like, very, 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 very short um, mm-hmm. novels. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, like, five or ten, like, seriously, like, 10,000 words. Like, there's a readership out there sure. for those short, digestible, take takes a week to read and the and so they're releasing on like just about a weekly schedule oh my god yeah but even then I'm like that's a lot like that's just a lot yeah I guess if I had a readership that demanded that I would certainly do it that would be exciting for a while and but I don't think I could keep it up forever I would ultimately disappoint people because that's kind of my mo ultimately I'm just gonna crash and burn you know so I wouldn't be the one yeah I mean I just think that that is just ripe for burnout you know and and also I don't know that I I struggle to tell a story in uh, like I feel like I need more it's it's harder to write short for me like Mm -hmm. sometimes it's just harder to write short than it is to write long so I just don't think that that word count gives me enough time to develop my characters fully and I'm not saying they develop their like they develop their characters fully but for me like I'm constant and again this is my plot issue right I'm constantly like introducing new plot lines into my books Mm -hmm. and my editor's always like what the fuck are you doing (laughs) well you don't need 16 plot lines you know (laughs) you're like I don't know I I feel like I might I might need them And it's just like, and by the way, you forgot about this plot line. You just left it hanging. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I did, didn't I? <laughs> You're like, well, that's just life. Um, I mean, yeah, 10,000 words presents a different challenge. That's for sure. I, you know, I would like to practice that, though. Not in a publishing sense, but I do think it's good, a good practice to learn how to write short stories, which I, uh, I really don't do. I'm, I might give, that a, might give that a creative go, but not a publishing go interesting (laughs) interesting oh my gosh it's like a challenge yeah I need something I gotta keep it I gotta keep things exciting over here so are you working on another book now oh boy (laughs) okay so did you did you get like one of those three books I did not no 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 because I didn't even know how to pitch that I only pitched it as a single book but then I did write in um so there there will be another book uh, is it this. Lucille? It is Lucille. How did you know? 
Well, because I because you have a forever best friend in the book, oh, yeah, and so like course. the best best friend needs her happily ever. Of course, has yes, one. of course, of course, yeah. So it's her. I haven't written that book yet, but I do have two other finished manuscripts that I just randomly oh. wrote, like kind of fast, and okay. like I really should have had a plan for them. I should have done something, uh, but I didn't. But I will. Uh, so I don't think this is the last of me here, uh, but we'll see. I got to figure out my next steps again. I'm very bad are, at this. <laughs> are they rom-coms as well? Like, Ooh. I'm just kind of curious. Or, so or they... one is like a mystery rom-com and I'm like a little bit of an edgier writer. It's a high concept mystery rom-com. Um, Ooh, it doesn't, yeah, it's like a forced proximity style kind of, it is very stylized and I do love it so much, and I'm currently rewriting it. And then um, the other one is a male point of view only. Um, hmm. And it is, I would say it might actually end up being accidentally women's fiction, because I just cannot keep my main characters, like, monogamous sometimes. <laughs> like, and... Okay. You know, like how they can't like sleep with other people. Yeah, you can't do that right. in romance. You'll get sued. you'll get yes. sued literally. Yeah. yeah. So I um, I I have another book. I do think it's worth releasing. I might uh rewrite it so that it follows conventions. But I just had to write it the way I wanted to. Um, okay. Yeah, and it was just a good okay. t- kind of a rom com, but definitely more like a little bit dark. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But rom coms can be dark. Anyone who says anything differently doesn't know what they're talking about. Yeah, no, there can there can be very dark yeah. comedies for sure. Right. For sure. Cool. So I wanna read your steamy oh, scene. No. Um, so this is from Partner Track. Can you set this up for well, first of all, let me ask you, why did you send me this one? What was it about this I one that you want why did you want to send it? Literally this? sent you the shortest one, um, and that's why. <laughs> I did. Oh, but I'll right. tell you, I'll give you a better explanation. So uh, this was like a forced proximity snowed in moment between the two main characters. And it's okay. a turning point in the story where the heroine for the first time is kind of expressing like emotional love through a physical act. So she's kind of like giving in a way she's never given before. Right. So we'll just say that's the reason why. Now I have a question. Have they already had sex before this? Moment? Yes. They had. Yes. Okay. I thought so, but I just wanted to sort right. of clarify that. I just really loved, I'm just going to like, just want to read the opening sentence that I oh, have. No. This is not necessarily the <laughs> opening sentence because I was like, well, that's bold. Like, <laughs> oh no. I just, I just now remembered what it was. So yeah. It's so great. It was okay. Everybody, everybody like sit down and like, God help you. If there's a little one in the room, you might want to plug the, I mean, you probably should have plugged the uh, yeah. in before, but, um, but definitely do it now. So <clears throat> Carter's dick was shoved so far down Purdy's throat, it may well have been a throat swab, and yet she dove for more, straining with alacrity to reach the root. I was like, hot damn, we just went there. I love it. Thank you. That actually was a really great sentence. That's nice of you to say. I am full body cringe right now. My God, that's such a wonderful <laughs> sentence. You have no idea. I, I think I read it like 16 times because I was like, that's great. Oh, oh my God. Thank you. So as you can as you can see, folks, this is gonna be a blow job yes. scene. So I am just gonna jump down a little bit and start. <clears throat> Ten minutes earlier, they'd been happily debating their breakfast options when the urge to suck Carter's Carter's cock overwhelmed her. He was just standing there, running his hand over his hair in that absent way of his, telling a story about how his mother used to make fried peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, when it occurred to her that if she wanted to reach out and squeeze 
it, when it occurred to her that if she wanted to reach out and squeeze his biceps, then run her hands up and down the ink decorating his arm, she could. In fact, he wanted her to. He'd made that clear. And there was no one here to stop her from doing it. No work colleagues, no bosses, no roommates. He was here for her to touch if she wanted. An unfamiliar primal urge to stake out a claim on him crept over her until the only thing she could think about was pulling the heft out of his pants and running her tongue up and down the shaft until it glistened like a lollipop. Phew, her mouth watered. She worried her lower lip between the cage of her teeth and tongue until he stopped mid-sentence, the corners of his mouth twitched up. What? What's got you so distracted? His smile faltered a bit when, with lead for legs, she stepped close to him so that they were mere inches apart, her hips tilted into his. Her hand tingled as if she let it slide up his naked chest. Then she pulled at the nape of his neck, bringing his mouth to hers in a slow kiss, her tongue sliding over his in a wet flick. When she broke away, he leaned in towards her to recapture her mouth, but she craned her head out of reach. They froze in that position. A smile played on his lips. What was that for? I, the heat in her cheeks rose, and then her eyebrows knitted together as if she were coming to terms with the idea. I want to give you a blowjob. <laughs> I love that. I love the whole setup, too, to this whole thing. Yeah, that was a great reading. You do a great read. Oh, well, thank yeah. you. Um, I've been trying to be I know, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I really loved this whole, like, this whole kind of setup there of her watching him and making, you know, talking about breakfast and sort of standing in the kitchen. I'm assuming they're in the kitchen. Yeah. And and just watching him and looking at and and having this moment of clarity of, I think I want to suck his dick. I mean, haven't we all been there? Truthfully, <laughs> <laughs> and then I, you know, and then I, and then I sort of like double highlighted that this the four were the four words with lead for legs. Her smile faltered a bit when with lead for legs, and I think that that was actually those four those four words were so telling because in all of this she's going through in her head like, oh, I think I want to suck his dick, <laughs> but at the same time there is clearly some sort of she's having some sort of sort of pause here. She's like, you mm-hmm. know, cause it, it feels like a take no prisoners moment, mm-hmm. right? Like that sort of marching forward. I'm going to take your dick out and suck yeah. it. But when you go to with lead for legs, that's telling me there's still something that's holding her back that she's not quite sure, even though she's going to go for it. That's so smart. Cause she is definitely a character that holds back. Even when she's giving forth, she's holding back. So, And I think like with any sex scene, until the characters are fully in their happily ever after, you have to have that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Nobody's ever going to let go completely. Right. Like it has to be a little forbidden, a little wrong, a little I shouldn't do this. Um, because, you know, you haven't resolved whatever the big problem is yet. Right, right. Yeah, I just thought that that was so great just to see those. And it was just those four words that tipped me <laughs> yeah. off, right? Like it was, that was it. And that was all you needed. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. Oh, what a close really reading cool. you're doing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's why I only asked for the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm going to jump down a little bit. We're getting into the action. Oh, boy. Here. This is <clears> tough. Okay, so it's, imagine if I made you read it. That would be awesome. I would never agree to do that. <laughs> I know, I know. So, so I've, I've had to read my own work twice, and I wanted to do oh, it. Oh, boy. Times. At least you're good yeah, at it. Really... Well, mm-hmm. thank you. I feel like I'm not mm-hmm. in my own, especially. Okay. 
At first, when Purdy brought the crown to her lips, dobbing it with her tongue, Carter was hesitant, tangling his hand in her hair, but touching her as if she were as delicate as a glass ornament. But Purdy didn't want gentle, and she certainly wasn't delicate. After licking up and down the shaft, wetting it until it was slippery all over, she'd begun to stroke him aggressively, twisting both hands at the root of his erection, while her mouth closed around him, her head forking up and down the head and the shaft. The head and shaft, sorry. Within minutes, Carter's hips were thrusting brutally into her mouth, her throat humming, her jaw saw, sore but still trying to take down more, eventually using his hands, her hands as leverage against his body to take in more of his length. God, who knew you could suck cock like that, he gritted through clenched teeth. That possessive feeling overwhelmed her again. Mine. Her hand came to cup his balls, rolling them in her palm, and his head dropped back a drop and his head dropped back a hiss of air escaping him not gonna last very long he groaned with a thrust oh fuck are you touching yourself uh-huh she nodded her mouth full as she worked one hand beneath the elastic of her silky modal boys boy shorts ah that's so hot yes yes he was panting now thrust becoming more erratic by the second her eyes closed and her moan vibrated around his dick as his fingers reached down to cup one of her breasts letting his thumb flick the sensitized nipple. Her cheeks hollowed as she bobbed up and down, everything wet and hot and slippery. You want it? You want to swallow it down? Mm-hmm, she hummed, her eyes, eyes wide as she nodded up at him. Her fingers worked in a furious circle against her own clit. She was on the edge, and she did want to swallow him up whole. Take every last drop. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I want to talk about dirty talk yeah, for a second. Yeah. Because I can't write it. Conversations between my two characters, like two of my characters, while they're in the middle of some sort of, qu- like, I can't do it. It's so hard. And how do you, like, this is the thing to me where I'm like, how do you, like, like I'm just like, I can't do that. I have a hard time. You with can it. do it. You just have to be willing to be embarrassed more. <laughs> I know. Do you sometimes I sometimes feel like when I'm writing this shit, it's like my mother is sitting on my shoulder. <laughs> yeah, that is not like, an invitation I would grant. <laughs> I know. It is not fun. Yeah. It is not fun when you have that like, oh my God. Yeah. Uh, I feel like when I read a sex scene, I need like a lot of dirty talk for some reason. Like I think that like, I don't know why. I don't know if I'm like, I, I don't know what that is. Uh, for some reason, I always have a lot of it in my books. And uh, it is really hard to write because <laughs> it's embarrassing. Because it's very, it's, well, first of all, it is a very staccato thing. I think um, if just thinking about uh, like, I don't know, like rhythms and yeah. stuff like that, you know, right. And, and so when you're talking, like, if, when you're in the act, you're not having really expressive conversation. Right. right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, these are going to be one, two words, very, very quick. Yeah, you got to pare it down to what you really want to say. And you can't just keep being like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. Like, you really got to, you have to get a little bit, uh, like, creative with it, I guess. Um, It's hard. Yeah, and I love that you want it. You want to swallow it down. Because I was like, oh, my God, yeah, you can say that. Uh, sometimes he says like, that was one of my tropes is that he's very dirty talking and oh my yeah. God. And so this is like nothing compared to like other things he says. And 
and he, really? he is a fully kind, nice character. And then on the other side of him, he is filthy, or at least I wanted him to be filthy, you know, because that's like, like titillating, you know, to read. I honestly, honestly, cannot wait to read this whole book. Just tell <laughs> I'll you send it right to now. you. You can have Please it. Please do, yeah, because this is like, I, I really loved this little section that you sent mm-hmm. me. Like, I was like, oh yeah, like this is beautiful, really beautiful writing, and it's super fun. And it's like, and I thought this was really ballsy. Ah. Like, I thought that this was ballsy writing, to be honest with you. That is so nice. And I really liked it. Okay, so I just want to read like just one last okay. little snippet. Sorry, you're almost you're almost okay. All seat. right. <laughs> Purdy held on for dear life as his hips jolted, and then the hot jet of semen pumped out of him and down her throat. See, I'm sorry, this is ballsy. Okay. It was frantic, messy, and hot. She moaned as she swallowed, lurching on her knees as her own orgasm jerked and twitched through her body like little electric pulses. So this I thought was also kind of curious about why you picked this scene that I was thinking about. I think every just about every scene that I've read on this podcast has been penetrative sex. Hmm. I had no idea. I mean, I've listened to some I, of them. I haven't listened to all of them. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I've had closed the door where there's no sex um, at all. Yeah. But, you know, but but I think I think that this is the only scene where there has been. Yeah, yeah, this is the first scene with non-penetrative sex. Huh. And I thought that that was really kind of curious that, that you picked. And because I think that there maybe it's like an assumption. Well, we're going to talk about an int- intimate moment. So let's have penetration. But intimacy does not necessarily mean penetration. Yes, this is actually uh, a sticking point that I have. And a sticking point I have with heterosexual romance, which is that, mm-hmm. like, after you have penetrative sex, that uh, now everything's different. And and that's also just a literary thing, you know, where, like, okay, now is the turning point of your story, and this is a way to mark that. But I just feel like, why do we emphasize penetrative sex so much when penetrative sex isn't even the thing that gives most women orgasms, you know, or right. people with vaginas, whatever you want to like, it doesn't, it, it isn't even, <laughs> it's not even the most important thing, but we weirdly put it on a pedestal of intimacy and importance. And I don't really, I don't really agree with that at all. I don't know that there could be anything more intimate between two people than oral sex. But like also, and you know what I mean? Like, like there's something yeah. really vulnerable. Well, about that. oral sex can pre- probably be like one of the grossest things, right? Like just like body wise, it can be like gross because all body things are gross at their core. But yeah. yeah. I mean, and even, but even beyond anal, like it yeah. just seems if for me, it just seems like there's something more like way more intimate. Yeah, I think it really depends on the people, the situation, you know, what is intimate yeah. to people and um, not everybody can engage in every kind of sex act and right. certain things mean different things to certain people. So I guess, uh, yeah, I didn't even think twice about sending you the blowjob scene. <laughs> It's just like, I mean, I don't know. It, it could mean absolutely nothing. But in my head, I was like, I think this is the first non-penetrative sex scene that we've Oh, my God. Give me a gold star. That's what I want. You get two Thank gold you so stars much. for that. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> so this was awesome. This was such a great, like, such a great scene. There's, there's a little pot. There. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, a lot of good stuff. Mm. Um, so what? So okay. So this book's coming out April. This is going to be well. The podcast it will be out when the podcast goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have a couple of other books. You're not sure what you're going to be doing with. Yeah, right? we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. Yeah. All right. So then, where can readers find you on the internet? Where do you hang out ah. most? Um, so that they can keep up with everything that you're doing. So you can find me at my website at catwinauthor.com, and you can also find me on most social media platforms at catwinauthor. That's C-A-T-W-Y-N-N. Um, and you can also find me at your wedding if you invite me. <laughs> and you have cheese plates. That's right. Put one out. <laughs> <laughs> we got to specify. Yeah. So I'm curious, is there one, because like, God God, God knows I can't be on all the socials. Oh, almost. like yeah. Is there one platform you gravitate to? I am mostly on Instagram. Is that yours too? Yeah, yeah. that's mine of choice. Are you on TikTok? No, now? I'm too old I and I need know. to. I need to. I know. I'm there <laughs> and I've posted a few videos that everyone's like, oh, Beth, you're on TikTok. And I'm just, but it's just not my, I don't, I'm not comfortable there. I know. And I think it's just the leap we all have to make. Um, I know. So. And, I, you know, I'm like, oh, I have to shower. Oh, I have to put on makeup. Nah. Dressed, nah. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm just like, and I'm like, oh, I need to clean my office. Oh, I need- right. <laughs> it's a lot of pressure for a, a five is. second video. It is. It's too yeah. much. And everyone is so funny. Like there's yes. so many people that are so funny and I'm like, I'm not going to be that funny. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough, I do love TikTok. I love what people create on there. I love what like book, book talkers create. It's, it's truly amazing. It amazes me, but, uh, not there yet. Not there. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. But yeah, I'm mostly on Instagram. I'm also bad at Instagram. So I don't know what I'm talking about. It's not like I'm good at that. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm, but I don't know. I kind of like the idea of posting a picture and then a little bit up next to it and people can respond to me. Yeah. And like, you know, I don't know. It just feels a little bit more. And maybe it's just because I forced myself to do mm-hmm. it for a year. Mm-hmm. Like I, I literally, like last year, last January, I was like, you are posting on Instagram five days a week. Good for you. And I did. Good for you. And now I'm not as good at it. <laughs> But, <laughs> did it work? Um, did it like help your? It did day? help me. Mm-hmm. It it really did help me just get comfortable with posting. So I kind of feel like that's probably it for TikTok. But honestly, it's like man, how much do I have? To as do long that? as you claim the real estate, I think you're okay. Yeah, that's what matters. Yeah, so I'm just sitting on it. Right yeah. Now. We'll get there. So, Kat, this has been super fun to have you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Kat's podcasting partner, SJ Tilly, is with me next time. So be sure to follow this podcast in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss that episode. Until next time, stay steamy.